Aren't you glad you know him today? Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles today and would turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the ninth chapter, I'm going to read a verse here and we're going to see what the Lord is wanting to speak to the church today. Amen. I give honor to the Coffee family and the Gardner family. We will be dedicating two very fine children today. It's always a good day. Amen. At the conclusion of the message this morning, we'll have the families come forward and we will dedicate these babies. We started last week into a series, a Christmas series, and I found it fitting this morning to somehow intertwine and blend. And uh, as a preacher, when you feel like you've preached everything you know, and uh, I tell people sometimes I ride down the road looking for billboards and uh, that I might get a sermon idea off of. And um, so when it seems to come together and, and fit the moment, you feel like it is from the Lord, and I feel that maybe the Lord has spoken this morning. And I hope to stay into this series as well as speak to these families this morning uh, that have come to dedicate their child unto the Lord. Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to read verse number 6 into your hearing. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. I'm going to borrow from the first phrase, from the first stanza of this sixth verse. For unto us a child is born. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon my heart. I pray today that the anointing of God rest upon your messenger this morning, O oh God, that the hearts of every person in the room may be touched by the Word of God. Lord, that your Word may be magnified, O oh God, in our minds, in Jesus' name. Let everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Amen. We had a great time last night fellowshipping in... Um, if you missed last night, you missed an exciting time. Um, I think the next bilingual service we have, we have a music group that's got to come and be with us. Uh, there was a great group that was there last night, and uh, they blessed us, and the fellowship was wonderful, and uh, love seeing what the Lord is doing. The Rock, I think we had about 80 or 90 people there last night. It was a nice crowd in the house. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to this afternoon, our first service. We're out of the karate dojo and into a new building, and we've got an exciting, exciting day in Lebanon, and then we'll be back here tonight at 6 p.m. So it's going to be a busy day. We uh, hope that you can be part of what the Lord is doing. Amen. For unto us a child 
is born. Unto us a child is born. Everybody say unto us. Unto us a child is born. Now imagine if your doorbell would have rang last night late and you woke up and staggered to the front door and as you peered outside you you saw you saw there in a little basket a baby left sitting on the front porch as you would have perhaps cautiously opened the door looking around to to see who had left the child with you and you're looking around and, and I could see I could see me I would be out saying hello come back and get this baby I've had my turn And when you pick that child up, you see there a note. A note in the Christmas season that just simply says, Merry Christmas. This baby is for you. Now, I know that's not how these babies arrived today. They were planned. Not all of us were planned. We won't talk about the fact that I'm 10 years behind my youngest sister. And I think the doctors may have told my mother that she would not have any children after my youngest brother was born. And seven years later, voila, Merry Christmas. December the 19th, a child was born. So that's not exactly how it happened for these, these families here today. For, for Mary, that's not even the way it really happened for Mary, for she knew that she was expecting, but she did not understand how it all came to pass. All she knew was there was a visitation of the Lord and an angel of the Lord speaking to Joseph and Mary and she now is expecting a child and she knew we we sing the song and it has become humorous because it has been sung for so many years that people now are I I saw somebody the other day make some uh, silly comment uh, using uno cards and they said Mary did you know I think she did. I do think she did. I think she did know because the angel had told her so. And in case you missed the point this morning of the text that I read was that, and the title of this message this morning, this is exactly what Christmas, the Christmas season is all about because This is what Christmas did for for you and for me. The birth of Jesus was not about the heavenly host. It was not about angels singing. Christmas was not about mangers 
stars and wise men. Christmas was not even about Mary and Joseph and a manger in Bethlehem. Christmas was really about us. This child was born unto us. Truly the gift of Christmas was that a child was born unto unto us. In this Christmas season, as we approach this dedication, what, what a great blessing to these families will you find because God has blessed you with a healthy child and this child that is born into your family will bring joy and, and, and pain. And more joy and will make you so proud. I can talk to you about raising up boys. They will make you so proud and so angry. It just, they come together with boys. All the fathers of boys should just say amen. Isaiah, in his words, literally lays this baby named Jesus at the door of our heart. He says, here you go. Unto us, he says, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. You see, Christmas isn't just about a story about a baby that is born for us or given to us. This, this is the true gift of Christmas that that He literally is laid on your doorstep. The doorstep of your life. This baby, Jesus, is laid on the doorstep of your life every day, waiting to be invited into your home. He's waited. He's waiting to be invited into the day-to-day movements of your home and your family and your personal life. This baby that has arrived into your family, it, it, it changes everything. When Annette and I had the first child, it, it did change our life. I don't know what it's like to only have two, for God granted us three. We wanted three. But after the second round, we said no more, for they came in packages of two. It was a two-for-one special deal. But you pay for it on the latter end, believe me. So now, this, this baby, this Christ, this child that's born on this first Christmas is, is literally born for us. He is the true gift of Christmas. He He is on the doorstep of every home, of every family in America and around the world. He is on your doorstep every day and He is knocking. And He is asking to be part of your life. These families would not reject the child that God has blessed them with for they they wanted the child, they desired the child. They wanted to to have this child. How dare would they lock the child out of the home? I don't know, Chad. Maybe you've been locked out a time or two. I've heard the stories. 
It was much needed, folks. I can promise you. I know Brother Jim and Sister Rhonda pretty well. I think they probably were good judges of character. He needed locked out. You wouldn't dare lock this baby out of your home. But Jesus, how many of us lock him out of our life? He's at the door knocking, but, but we're too busy. We ask so many questions. We, we peer through the door and we look out onto the front porch and there is Jesus on the front porch and, and we start asking questions like, like every parent asks before you have a child. Can we really afford to have this child? I can answer that for you. You never can afford. If those of you are thinking about having children and you're waiting until you can afford it, give up. You can't. You will never be able to afford it. Don't let that be the, the preventing factor. And so, you know, what, what, will, what will it cost me? And now becomes the real issue because selfish people really can't afford to have children because life changes because it's no longer about me now. The baby gets all the attention. Now life changes because it's about the children. And so questions that we ask, how will it change our lifestyle? And what will my responsibilities be? And how much time will I have to invest? And what will I have to give up? It's all the same questions that we ask when Jesus stands outside our door. What do I have to give up? What will it cost me? How m- and he's asking to come in and be part of our lives. There are similar questions that we ask. We ask the same things that you ask before you have a child. We ask before we allow Jesus into our lives. And some of us continually, every day as he's knocking I'm too busy today. I don't have time today. And so we lock him away and save him for another moment. But once you have the child in your life, I know my parents didn't plan on me. This is not a pity party, really, really. I know my parents didn't plan on me, but once I was there, they just couldn't live without me. (laughs) Perhaps you understand the feeling. Once you have them there, I want you to know today the joy of serving God so far outweighs the cost of serving Him. There is a cross to pick up. There is, a, there is a price to pay to serve the Lord. But I'm telling you, once you have him it, at the center of your life, it will never be a day that you regret. You will live your life wanting to have him at the center of your life. You can't possibly imagine a day without talking to him. I wouldn't trade my life of living for the Lord with anyone in the world that lives a life without Jesus. 
For this is the best life to live. Isaiah describes what kind of child this is by giving us royal titles for him. And these are complimentary terms talking about his reputation. He says, his name shall be called. The world tries to X his name out of the equation, but the scripture said that his name shall be called. Isaiah talked about his name, but he never knew what it was. That was because he was born for us. He wasn't born for Isaiah's day. Isaiah prophesied about his coming, but he was born for this day. I'm trying to help somebody understand today that the Christ child, Jesus, was born not for Isaiah's day. He prophesied about him. He could only have some shadows and understanding that there was one coming because he was born for us. That's you and me. He was born for our day. He was born for this generation. He was born for this hour. He's, the, 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 let, let me tell you, serving God is not too old for this generation. He was born for us. He was born for this hour. He was born for this day. Isaiah talked about his name, but he never knew what it was. He tried to describe him. He knew about his name. He knew the attributes of his name. But we understand his name, for his name is Jesus, the Savior of the world. Isaiah de described him, and he declared him as wonderful. In Hebrew, this word meant much more. He, he is literally to be a wonder. He is wonderful. He is full of wonder. Isaiah spoke in prophetic anticipation about his coming. He said, unto us a child is born. Yet he was not born in Isaiah's day, for he was born to our day. So Isaiah is speaking in prophetic anticipation. And he was speaking into our day. For unto us a child is born. He was born for me. He was born for you. He was born for every person that has pain in their body today. For every person that is carrying emotional scars, Jesus was born for you. For every person under the load of sin today, Jesus was born for you. He was born for us in the Hebrew. This word literally means wonder. Isaiah was speaking prophetically about his character. And as we read through the gospel, we can see how Jesus fulfilled this prediction. Jesus was wonderful. He did wonderful things. From his childhood on, we see Jesus doing wonderful things. Luke chapter 2 says, Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Even as a child, this child that was born unto us was amazing people even as a child. There's never a day that Jesus will not be amazing and wonderful in your life. In Matthew 8, the Bible said the men were amazed and asking what kind of man is this? In Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus had finished saying, crowds, entire crowds were amazed at his teachings. It was, it was wonderful. 
in Matthew chapter 9, they said nothing like this had ever been seen in Israel. In Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says the people were amazed when they saw people who had never spoken the miracles of Christ, the people who had never spoken be able to speak and the cripple made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they praised the God of Israel and were amazed because they had never seen anything like him. When the centurion in Matthew chapter 27, when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, they saw an earthquake that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed and declared, Surely this is the Son of God. Even at his death, which is anything but wonderful, Jesus proved himself to be a true wonder when he spoke in parables. The people following Jesus couldn't understand what he was saying. He was so far superior in speech and actions to everyone else. And as they listened, they soon realized he is a wonder. This wonderful Jesus is knocking today wanting to be part of your life. If he's not part of your life, you need to open your life and let him in. Maybe you declare, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I'm born again believer, but is he in the middle of your home? Or is he at the door knocking every day wanting to be let in? Where does Jesus reside in your home? Is he relegated to the back porch? Is he relegated to Sunday when you're at church? He can come to church with you and ride home, but that's it. Or is he in the middle of every decision in your home? I want to speak to these families this morning that are dedicating their children. And I want to say to you today, make Jesus the center of your home. You'll never regret it. He must be the center of your home. Don't leave him on the porch knocking to come in. At every decision you make, Jesus needs to be at the center. At every conversation, Jesus needs to be at the center. The song writer says it right. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Isaiah declared that he was the counselor. When I, when I speak the word counselor, the first thing often that comes to my mind when I hear this word is thinking of a, of a therapist of sorts, counselor. Uh, here, though, means so much more than, than a psychologist or a therapist or someone who hears your situations. But here, the word counselor in this is, is much more in the sense of an advisor or a strategist in your life. Oh, did you catch that? This baby knocking at the door, this Jesus at the Christmas season knocking at your door needs to be at the center of your life because he knows better what you need for your life than you know. For he is a counselor. He is a strategist. He will strategize your life. All through the scripture there is a weave, of, of, of a thread of, of words that speaks that he will take and he will place your feet. One writer said, he makes my feet like hinds feet. That can walk through treacherous places, yet the foot will be placed at the right place at the right time. 
You think it's just happenstance that you bump into people and pass people and go? Or is it that God is directing your steps? Is it that everywhere you go that God is placing your feet, placing the right people in your way? This child, these children that are being dedicated this morning, your child, whomever it may be in this room today, when you make Jesus the center of your life, I believe he orchestrates. He puts you in contact with the right people. Oh, well, it just happens to be, you know, I happened to be at the laundromat. I happened, you know, I was at the grocery store and I just bumped into somebody. I just happened to be, oh, no, Jesus was directing. Not if you make him the center of your life. He will direct you. He will put you at the right place at the right time with the right people. Isaiah goes on and he calls him the mighty, the mighty God. The book of John is dedicated to the revelation of Jesus. Chapters 1 through 10 declare him in parables. Finally, in John chapter 10, they come to, the Jews come to Jesus and they say, how long will, will you be with us until you tell us who he is? If, if you start reading John, you, you'll see in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But it wasn't talking about a literal Word, it was talking about Jesus. I believe it was John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes and, and Jesus begins to talk about, Jesus begins to speak to him. It's, it's every chapter he speaks from a different point of view. He's, he's spoken of light in darkness. He's spoken of water at a well. He's spoken of, he's, but it's all about Jesus. This is what it was in John chapter 10. They still haven't gotten it. They come to Jesus and say, how long will you be with us until you tell us plainly who you are? Jesus is thinking, my goodness, I've already allowed ten chapters. Nine chapters have been, have been about nothing but revealing who I am, and you still don't understand it. And so then he looks at them and he said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And they pick up stones and start stoning him, start throwing stones at him, and said, he being man is making himself God. Again, they misunderstood that he was God making himself man. They didn't understand. How long will you be with us? He said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For I and my Father are one. Isaiah declares him as the everlasting Father. Now, You've got to think with me here. The baby was the father. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I'm with you. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful. Got it? I'm with you. Counselor, okay. The mighty God. Wait a minute. The child is the mighty God? Then he says, the everlasting Father, wait a second. The child is God. The Father? The only way that the child could be the Father, the Son. The child is the Son and the Father 
and the mighty God was if these were speaking of manifestations of the attributes, but there was only one God. It wouldn't work if there were three persons. Are you with me today? It would not work if there were three persons because there would be more attributes and manifestations. So then people would become confused. I heard a very popular television evangelist that someone had captured and put on YouTube this week and I'd listened to it as he was declaring that there were, there, there were nine in the Godhead. He's gotten real confused. But the truth is, is there is but one in the Godhead because there can only be one head because Jesus is the name of the Father. I wish I had some apostolic folks that believe the oneness of God in the house this morning. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I came this morning to remind you that the everlasting Father was born in a manger in Bethlehem in the man Christ Jesus. You cannot separate them. You cannot bring them apart Jesus himself declares, I and my Father are one. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So Isaiah goes on to declare that he is the prince of peace. When Jesus was born, the angels declared glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The peace that this Christ child would establish was not between nations and races or families as they had thought, but it was between men and God. The peace on earth that Jesus declared was not between was not between man and man or nation and nation. If so, there would have been no war since his birth. But the war was against good and evil. He claimed to declare, I will restore the relationship between man and God that was broken in the garden. Peace on earth. Luke tells the Christmas story. And he starts and says that she brought forth a son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. He goes on to tell the story. The angel of the Lord comes and Luke declares in the 10th verse that the angel of the Lord came and said, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Everybody say all people. I'll bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In verse 11, he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Jesus was not just born for the nations. He was not just born for someone else. But this Christ child, Christmas, this whole Christmas story is really about you.
Jesus was born for you. Unto us a child is born. He is born to you. You have a responsibility. You have a decision to make. Will I let him into my life or will I not? He is born to you. Every time you see a Christmas bow, a Christmas decoration, anything that reminds you that it is the Christmas season, you need to be reminded this season is because Jesus was a gift given unto me. I turned the attention this morning to these children that we are about to dedicate in the next few moments. What incredible gifts that God has given to you. He didn't give them to Sunday school teachers to raise. He didn't give them to someone else to take care of. But he gave them to you. That child belongs to you. He's God's gift to you. The responsibility cannot be placed on the school teachers to teach and train them. You hope they get a good education. It can't be left to Sunday school teachers to tell them about Jesus. That job is on your shoulders. Because you have to make Jesus the center of your life. He's got to be part of everything you're doing. It's up to us because this child was born to you. He's yours. The whole family has a responsibility because this child is born to you. Here's what we're